0: All right, in this video, we are going to be talking about everything you need to know before starting Absalom, Absalom, one of the absolute most important books to read in American literature. It is absolutely a confusing story. It's the downfall of one man, Thomas Sutpen, and it is absolutely tragic what happens to him. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una.
1: And I'm Crypto. All
0: right, now, whether you are a first-time reader of this book or whether you are here as a part of the Faulkner Certificate Program, we'll put a link. We welcome you. Into the series where what we do is we spend a little bit more time diving into these chapters, really trying to explain a couple of angles that the author could be going for. here.
1: So this can help guide you along. And so you feel comfortable reading this text
0: more comfortable because you will never feel comfortable in this text because it is super (laughs) confusing. Let's get this out of the way. It's super difficult. And that's just something you got to go past, because there's a reason why this is recommended so often, and it is so important to literature, is because there are golden nuggets in here, and you're going to have to fight through some emotions to get
1: Yeah, I think you have a famous quote, right, from uh, Dave Hampstead. William Faulkner
0: handed Dave Hampstead a copy of Absalom, Absalom. He says, I want you to read this,
1: he said. What is it? Hampstead asked.
0: I think it's the best novel yet written by an American, Faulkner said. <laughs> <laughs> so Faulkner was described as the Shakespeare of America. Some may associate Shakespeare with his confusing aspects of reading. Some may associate him with comedies versus tragedies. You can't deny that Faulkner is the same way. We've gone through the reavers which is hilarious. To to this, which is definitely a tragedy, and is also very important to American literature. In the same way that Shakespeare was important for the literature of the world.
1: And I think this book is something that's going to make you feel things that you haven't felt before, maybe anger, maybe sadness, confusion, whatever it is, but you're going to feel. So one thing I think you should understand is that this is a very vast story. It sprawls many different generations. It has many different narrators. Uh, really what it comes down to is the fall of Southern Way of Life. It's the Old South story, pre-Civil War, Civil War, post-Civil War, all wrapped up kind of in one man's life, Thomas Sutpen, and it's delivered through this very tragic story through all these different narrators. And these narrators have some very different views, just like people do of the South.
0: All right, for scope today, what we are going to be covering is the publication info, Yakna reading order, because there is a huge connected universe behind this. Why the text is important. Some warnings about Faulkner. Narrators, story as mystery and story as history. Some major themes, such as Greek myths, civil war, and the Bible. And then the road ahead. So for publication info, manuscripts initially show February 11th, 1934, he began working on Absalom, Absalom. He had several false starts. He was pulled away from this text several times, whether it be through money issues, whether it be through his own brother's death, unfortunately. And even if you look at the time, we're in the middle of a depression post Dust Bowl. Things aren't very happy right now for William Faulkner. And a lot of those emotions, I think, of the loss of the brother, the loss of a lot of financial and economic stability you feel that tension in this text.
1: Yeah, I feel all that information is very important to set a tone for this story, because again, we have to reiterate one more time, this is a tragedy.
0: All right, for Yachna Patafel reading order, if you didn't know, William Faulkner writes many texts in this fictional county, and this county has a lot of fun and interesting things that happen to it. But there are two stories that are typically recommended to read before this. I'm going to touch on one real quick, which is a short story called Wash from 1933. And I think you should not read this story first part of this are rewritten reimagined reintroduced into mostly kind of chapter seven among some other parts of this novel and i feel like that gives away too much because chapter seven is the absolute engine of this and you don't need that information to come to you sooner for what I feel like is a good emotional payout for this. The other piece that is really important is The Sound and the Fury. And it's a chicken or the egg thing. Uh, in terms of which one you read, you will have some more context that I know Crypto is miss- will have missed out on because he hasn't read The Sound and the Fury to know kind of maybe some feelings as to why Quentin may or may not like certain narrators. That one you can read before or you can read after. It's up to you. But I don't think you have to go one versus the other. But The Sound and the Fury did come out first for those that want to follow the publication order history. So
1: why is this text important? Well, some would say that this is the most important American literature piece ever written. Some of the problems is that some people may not feel that this piece of literature is very accessible. The time frame that it's written, the strong wording that's used, some of the religious and racial implications, but probably the biggest reason of why this is so important, especially to U.S. history and culture, is racism. This is going to show how racism played out at a familiar level. It's going to show how it impacted regions and counties. It's going to show how it impacts us as a society as a whole. It's going to be used to see how sin is passed from one generation to the next and how that the sins will come back to repeat themselves and that life is cyclical. All of those things are encapsulated in this story. And Faulkner is amazing with giving you this narrative that it it unfolds and it's a mystery and it is, you know, so dramatic and it really hits you in the heart sometimes that you're going to enjoy it. And as we've said from the top it is very confusing and it is very tough to get through, but you can do it if you stick with it. And this book
0: really touches on a lot of William Faulkner's major points that he has through a lot of his novels. This is one of the authors where usually cramming a whole bunch of stuff into one novel is bad. This is the perfect combination of a lot of his points coming together in one novel.
1: Yeah, it's a very rich book. He talks about the civil war he talks about family he talks about heritage we talk about social class economic class we talked about being haunted from the past uh we talk about again the civil war effects before and during and after uh, misconceptions of everything there's there's so much in this book but it's just enough in this book and it doesn't flounder like other works that we've read before. As
0: a result, each time you read this, you can have a completely different interpretation and takeaway from this story, which is why this story is so renowned. All
1: right, so the next thing we talk about is the Faulkner warnings. This is a very confusing story, right? You need to read and reread and reread. And that's okay. Be okay with that right from the onset of the story. I personally had to reread some sentences several times because it can be very confusing. And that's daunting but get over that and you'll be just fine. At the back of the book there is a bio for each of the characters. Do not read. Do not read. This is going to spoil so much of the book for you and take away with some of those aha moments throughout the story that are really going to have some nice payoff towards the end of the book. And don't
0: read the timelines either. There is a timeline at the back. Part of why this series exists is in each of these two chapter breakdowns that we're going to publish, we're going to have a timeline of all the major events that have happened in those sections. So that way you won't get spoiled by that need and desire to want to get an answer of, what did I just read exactly? We'll have that in each of these sections, and we don't normally go into a ton of detail, but I will have a bullet point list to make sure that we're on the same page as to what's happening in these chapters and in what order, as opposed to William Faulkner's out-of-order timestamp skip mentality we're going to line them up linearly as if he were telling the story in order
1: so for example there's context in the story of someone gets murdered and you don't know who was even murdered you just know somebody was murdered and that can be confusing and you're like oh well just skip to the end and see and that can ruin the whole story for you sometimes new characters are introduced and they don't get a name it's a he or a she and it's very confusing don't 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 ruin this story for yourself and go to the back now the
0: word yakna patatha is derived from two Chickasaw words, yakono and petrify. Totally mispronounced that, I'm sure. But the meaning is (laughs) split land. And the idea is racism is at the core of all of this. And there's going to be very harsh language to pull out those racial effects. The descriptions of individuals are not going to be actual physical descriptions they're going to be very hyperbolized they're going to be meaning to pull out a very racial and harsh view of someone when that's how william faulkner wants you to react emotionally just be prepared that that is going to be part and parcel of the yakna split land county
1: so as we said at the very beginning of the video there are many different narrators and so Throughout the story, you're going to slip between narrators, and this can be very jarring, and this is one of the hardest parts of the book to understand, is that you're going to have one person's viewpoint, and then the next chapter, you might have a different person telling you the story. So
0: one of the first chapters that we're going to kick off with is Rosa Coldfield, who you're going to learn hates the main character passionately. And as a result, you might assume that you can distrust this narrator. This character will only have a certain viewpoint of when she saw Sutpen, when she saw Sutpen's kids. And that's all the story that she can tell you about. Everything else is going to be conjecture or hearsay from everyone else in town. So
1: another person in town is Mr. Compson, who narrates several chapters as well. And he is a friend of Sutpen. And so he gives you some mixed messages. And one of the key things that I always teach my students is, what does he leave out of his story? and a lot of his story is very favorable. And so you might start to, you know, side with him or think you can believe him. And that's something to note as well. And we'll talk more about that in the other videos. And the last
0: two major narrators that we need to talk to there's a third one, but we need to talk about Quentin and Shreve, who are a generation removed from the. Sutpin story. So they're gonna be the ones that are kind of figuring things out, which will lead us into our next kind of plot point. But the last narrator that we need to talk about is the omniscient narrator, Mr. William Faulkner himself, who will show up for a paragraph at a two at a time to kind of be like, "Uh, yeah, here's what actually happened. And I don't know if it's just to set the record straight. I don't know if it's because it just take too long to figure out how to narratively work that in from the other characters. But you'll notice you'll just switch from font to absolutely no font for a chapter. And suddenly an omniscient narrator is talking. That is Faulkner telling you the truth of what's kind of happening in the story.
1: If you get this audio version, that's something you're definitely going to miss. And so I highly suggest reading this book and not listening to it. Many times there are books that are specifically fun and more enjoyable to listen to. This is one that you truly need to read to grasp and have a better understanding of.
0: Which brings us to our next point that we've kind of alluded to, which is story as mystery or story as history. And the idea of why we have these narrators and why we can't totally trust all of them is this is how history actually works. You'll hear a crypto joke about using your historical imagination. It's not really a joke. You only get so much view from one person who is at or not at certain events at a certain point in time. You have to almost use multiple sources to piece together a story that someone can trust and is actually real because you'll notice that there's gonna be pieces and parts of the story that just don't really line up or aren't totally true depending on a person's experiences or filter that they put on the events when they watched at the time. That's what you're doing through the story is you're playing the role of the historian, unlocking the past of what happened with this man, Thomas Sutpin, in this town.
1: Yeah, and I think the important thing of that is that as you're going through this mystery, it really defines you as a person. It defines us as a people. It defines us as a nation as well. And we won't have the entire story. And you have to be okay with that. The
0: other part about this being a mystery is you're getting the results. In the same way you're watching a Scooby-Doo episode, you don't know the cause just yet, and that's what you're trying to work backwards toward. Why are characters acting this way? Why did this character react this way in this particular scene or do this action? You're playing a role in a mystery to solve what exactly is really happening and why in this piece.
1: All right, so the next thing we have to talk about is intertextual themes, and there are three big themes. So I'm going to give you all three of them, and then we'll break them down. So the first we have is Greek Myths, Then we have Civil War. And last, we'll talk about Bible. So
0: in terms of Greek myths, this is such a huge subject and something that I am not a master. I do not have a PhD in Greek mythology. So there are going to be some things that I just miss in the story in terms of maybe some stories that I have either haven't read or haven't really picked up on the comparison there. But there are some that we have picked up on and even some Greek structure things that we're going to cover to give you kind of a quick view of that. You're going to see Rosa compared to Cassandra real quick in chapter one, and you're like, Who's Cassandra? What is this Cassandra thing? We're gonna call it out more in depth as we go through this, but the idea is he's using Greek mythology of Cassandra, who is cursed to always tell the truth, but never be believed. To compare Rosa, to let you know, Rosa is telling the truth, even though she hates Sutpen and she should paint him as this ogre and really bad guy, She's kind of telling a lot of factual things, even though she's destined to never be believed by the town. Very quick, by calling her Cassandra or Cassandra-like, he gets that motif across, which I think is really incredible. And the other thing that we're going to really dive deep into is chapter seven is absolutely brilliant in terms of the structure of a tragedy when it comes to Aristotle's poetics. I think you can apply a lot of that to that chapter, and I think we're going to spend most of that chapter really diving into the structure of a tragedy and talking why chapter seven is like the engine that makes this book work.
1: So our second theme is the Civil War. And Faulkner here is not trying to rationalize the Civil War. He is trying to explain why what is happening between the two are taking place. He's trying to explain why the South is the way that it is. Faulkner isn't picking sides. He knows that no side is innocent, but he knows that the South is a lot more violent. And so you're going to see a lot of that violence come out in this story. The one main crucial thing here is that Sutpen the person is an allegory for the South and the Civil War.
0: Now, we may not all have information on exactly what the Civil War is. Crypto, give us like a quick 20-second overview of what we need to know about the Civil War and how that's played out in this story. So
1: we settle the land. Land is power, land is everything. Slaves are essential to continue working land and being profitable. We steal slaves and breed slaves and they are considered lesser than animals because of race. This is gonna create a class structure and it's gonna create a racial structure and definitely discrimination in the South. Power is all based through your plantation how much money you make, and how many slaves that you own. So it's all based around slavery. Slavery, slavery, slavery. You have more slaves, you have more power. Eventually, people start to see slavery as a crime, and this has a lot to do with religion, but they view negatively upon it in many parts of our country, predominantly in the North. The North then will then invade the South to end slavery, or it becomes about ending slavery about halfway through the war. The war is between the North trying to end slavery and the South trying to hold on to their way of life that they've had for hundreds of years. The North wins the war, and slavery is ended in the South. The South will be in ruins at the end of the war, it feels betrayed by the North, and we will see the downfall of many of the prominent families and the wealthy South as we know it. The last thing that will happen as a result is we'll have many racial identity problems uh, because people don't know where they fit in based on their race and then we'll have financial issues and economic problems go in there as well along with governmental issues to kind of round out this very happy story.
0: (laughs) So next let's talk about the Bible. The Bible references are a little bit stronger here than they are perhaps in Go Down Moses, but maybe not as heavy, I feel like, maybe as in Light in August. So Faulkner has a very strong background, I feel like, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very eye for an eye, very sins of our fathers are passed down. And there's even quotes in this where he says be Sutpen's hundred as in let there be light. This is the creation story Almost from a devil's view perspective, but it's Sutpin as God, Sutpin's son as Jesus that become part of the story and the biblical retellings of this. We have lots of quotes from Matthew in terms of like the sparrow and stuff like that. You don't need to know and reference those, I feel like, before you start the story. We will call out most of the more important ones. We're probably going to miss some, too. The Bible's a very large uh, book as complex as is Absalom Absalom in our 20-minute format we will try to bring those out as much as possible. But remember, Absalom is David's third son of 17 boys. And we'll just say that David had some problems with his sons and his son, particularly Absalom, usurping power, if you will. And we'll just leave it at that and kind of go more into that as we go in through these breakdowns. So in terms of our road ahead of how we're gonna handle this, we're gonna break this down to chapters one and two, chapters three and four, chapters five and six, chapter seven, which is the engine of this book, chapters eight and nine, so we're gonna have a five-part series to break this piece down. We're gonna be covering things from fatalism to the idea of predestination and Calvinism in the story. We're gonna be talking about tragedy as a structure with Aristotle's poetics as a major influence. We're gonna be talking about sins of our fathers and how sins are passed down, the cyclical nature and generational issues that the South experienced. We're gonna be talking about history, how we uncover it, mystery, how we solve it, this is a very rich and dense text. Don't get upset if we don't cover or look directly at an angle that you specifically wanted. It is impossible to do everything in the in one round. We will maybe revisit this in the future and have subsequent retellings or different angles to tackle this piece. We chose, we thought, the most important pieces, which is the Old South Allegory, the, the Greek influences, and the Bible as, as our main focal points for how we chose our talking points for this round. So buckle up. We got a very intense story, a very important story to cover these next few weeks as we go through Absalom, Absalom, several chapters at a time and really talk about the most important part of American history and acknowledging the issues that we had with slavery and overcoming them because if you don't acknowledge your issues, it's hard to address them.
1: This is my first time reading through this, and I would say that you must be patient. You must be willful. And you must reread, reread, reread. We filmed
0: the whole series, came back, and are now filming at the end, the before you read section. So that way Crypto has read it, and we just kind of recorded it at the end and are moving it up in terms of publication issue if that's confusing at all. So when we're going through this story, crypto will not have read it and is experiencing it from a first time. And I will be experiencing it from a third time's perspective as we go through this. So guys, thank you so much for checking out this video. Hopefully this has kind of set the stage for what you're going to be experiencing, help you feel a little bit more comfortable that it's not just you. It's not like you're missing out on something in terms of this being difficult. It's a hard text and it requires a lot of intertextual and analytical experience to be able to break it down Let's go through it the best of our ability. We don't promise being perfect, but we just promise our best effort. So with that, guys, let's get started on our Absalom Absalom journey with our in-depth series. Una out.
1: Peace.